Okay, this is Congress two beers in, except it's it's not two beers in. It's going to be a quick shot on impeachment because uh, there's a lot floating out there and it's not very well explained. And there are actually a lot of myths floating around that uh, don't actually give you a good sense of what's actually happening in the House. Um, so we're going to do a quick rundown about uh, where we are, how we got here, and where it's headed uh, real quick. Matt's going to offer – Matt, what do, you, do you know what happened? Actually? <laughs> I, so I like we're I just going to start with a, a political recap of sort of what the – events are that led us to this week because a lot's been going on this week and we can actually work backwards in this to a certain degree and that is the most instantaneous thing is that yesterday a tremendous number of democrats including uh, a lot of democrats from swing districts or from districts trump won have now come out in favor of uh, starting an investigation or an inquiry into the uh, potential impeachment of the president of the united states uh, and this stems over a new scandal floating around the Trump administration, which is a uh, whistleblower report uh, coming through the uh, Inspector General of the Intelligence Community, the ICIG, uh, about some conduct that uh, the president engaged in um, allegedly with the president of Ukraine. Uh, and the charges uh, are that the president was abusing his authority by uh, essentially holding up American military aid or otherwise using U.S. foreign policy and official policy to pressure uh, Ukraine to investigate his political rivals. Uh, to the degree that those are true, if they are true, this goes to a core sort of impeachable offense as the founders were considering it, the president sort of subverting the pu public trust uh, on behalf of his own personal interests, and in this case his own political uh, interests, which is certainly uh, widely considered to be a grave impeachable offense. This conduct was taking place back in July. Uh, today we got a transcript uh, that the White House released of at least part or a mem um, not a transcript, a memorandum uh, recalling some of a, some of that uh, call he had. Uh, but we don't have the actual whistleblower complaint yet that may be coming to Congress later this week. People are coming in to testify. Uh, but this sort of built to a head over the weekend as more and more news was leaking about this. Uh, that there was a call by the president that was involved in this uh, whistleblower action that the Department of Justice had tried to block uh, this whistleblower report from getting to the intelligence committees in the House and Senate. One of the reasons the House and Senate have set up, or Congress has set up a law uh, allowing whistleblower complaints to come directly to them is they prefer that the IG community not have leaks. And so they've set up a process where if there's impropriety going on there, there's a legal channel for uh, classified information or concerns about the leak, uh, you know, the use of classified information or classified activities uh, for a way for that to get the Congress and the oversight committees. That wasn't happening. Um, Chairman Schiff of House Intel and others were becoming more and more agitated about this. The press was finding out more and more information that this had to do with uh, potential Democratic candidate uh, Biden and his son, and that that's what Trump was going after in this. And it started to, you know, smell worse and worse to the point where uh, Monday night. Uh, seven freshman Democrats, all from uh, sort of moderate districts, all with national security credibility, wrote an op-ed in the Washington Post. All saying, districts that were flipped from Republican to Democrat. Yes, yes. So these are the types of people who were going to be last on sort of the impeachment train from the Democratic side. I wrote an op-ed in the Post uh, voicing their concerns and the need to get at these disclosures. And essentially, you know, the way I put it on Twitter was joining the caucus that said, uh, if you don't turn over this stuff, we're going to have to impeach you. Um, now, the White House has released a transcript, and it does look like the Congress is going to get the whistleblower complaints. Uh, that, of course, would satisfy someone who was going to impeach them for those things. But then, you know, in that case, we get to the substance of them, uh, which if you look at uh, any sort of media today, there's a lot of concerns about now the substance of the transcripts, which, uh, frankly, I was surprised they were 
uh, themselves released by the White House because they seem pretty damning on a lot of accounts and open up more questions, particularly about the role of the Department of Justice. But that sort of sets the stage because what we want to talk about in this podcast is not so much the politics of impeachment overall, but what's going on in the House right now uh, and potentially the Senate, which is much more local politics of impeachment. And so, Josh, why don't you leave us where Pelosi picks up the story at 5 o'clock last night? So Pelosi uh, made an announcement at 5 o'clock that they were opening a formal impeachment inquiry. Now, that sounds really great. Uh, what that actually means, nobody actually knows. Nobody nobody has a friggin' idea what Pelosi saying in a formal impeachment inquiry means. Uh, one of the big mysteries behind this is because uh, the House has yet to adopt a resolution opening a formal inquiry, which is tr- the traditional way in which these have gone, particularly in 1974 and in 1998. Uh, the House adopts a resolution. Now, those resolutions... And this is how the House does things, right? right. Like, you know, the Speaker has some authority, but right. the House does things, and right. the House does things by voting right. to do things. I don't even want to get there yet. We're, we're not even that, like, <laughs> mess yet. And I, I've got so much to say about this. But anyway, um, one of the reasons that they pass these resolutions typically is twofold. One to uh, give the weight of the House behind the idea that they're opening an investigation into impeachment. Um, and that's, that's, that's important in and of its own right because uh, these things have typically been used in court cases when the House is pursuing information uh, on an impeachment case uh, to either expedite consideration, like it did in the 74 case in the Supreme Court um, of these cases, uh, or also to open up avenues uh, of inquiry. So, for example, the administration, the current administration, has argued that many of these um, uh, cases or searches for information are not legitimate legislative uh, purposes, which are basically undermining the backbone of why the House would seek information. And if you opened up a formal impeachment inquiry, then that would basically subvert that condition that the whole legal premise of why the administration is not handing over information and then they would have to supply it. So if the House were to vote on a resolution, then that would uh, empower the committees in certain ways to have the backing of the House when they were sort of pressing claims in right. the courts. And this is, right, That that's one side of it. The other side traditionally has been to empower committees either through monetary funds, staff deposition, increased ability to gain uh, oversight access to information. I mean, They've empowered the committees in a variety of different ways, whether it's through hearings or testimony or ability to get information or money. Uh, now, the thing that makes this interesting is since the last impeachment effort in 98, the, the committees have been empowered uh, just overall. The committee system in, in general was empowered. It was empowered by Republicans in 2013 and 2015 and in 2017. Um, and basically, what standing, do you mean when you say empowered there? In those, so basically, points? standing committees today have the powers that were delegated to committees in 1998 and in 1974 only under the conditions of an impeachment ah, inquiry. Okay. So the standing committee system has a ton of power now and is empowered in ways that previous committees had to be empowered only through an impeachment inquiry, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So they had to pass a resolution to get to an impeachment inquiry. And this resolution empowered committees. Um, in 1974 and 1998 uh, to do all these special things. Well, just kind of like opening up Congress and adopting its rules today, those committees have those powers already. So what we're talking about when we pass a resolution is only a marginal bump in the ability of these committees to conduct oversight, um, uh, hold depositions, um, t- or take depositions, um, or gain access uh, through different types. And different so means so essentially, 
nothing has changed formally in the House between yesterday and today. Right. Uh, Pelosi coming out and saying this is now a formal impeachment inquiry doesn't change any of the powers or authorities or relevant standings of these committees. It just sort of changes the informal politics. The Speaker is now behind these as in, in inquiries into impeachment, and you can call them that without worrying about her yelling at you, and that's what we're doing. But actually, we haven't actually changed anything that's going on in terms of power or authority in the race. And the risk here is that uh, Pelosi is basically saying that she is behind an impeachment inquiry. She said it yesterday. The House of Representatives is opening a formal impeachment inquiry. Now, the thing is, like, the Speaker is not the House, right? The Speaker uh, adjudicates procedural disputes. The Speaker makes rulings on the floor. The Speaker uh, recognizes members on the floor. The Speaker is not the House of Representatives, though, and does not carry the weight of the House of Representatives. And so this is a bit of a risky play and one that we've never seen before, because at the moment, until they pass a formal resolution opening an impeachment inquiry, it's not clear whether the courts will accept Pelosi's word as substitute for a House vote on a formal impeachment. But to be clear, this would mostly matter if you had a legal dispute over, say, the enforcement of subpoena and whether the court would listen to your argument if it was an impeachment inquiry, but wouldn't listen to your argument if it was not an impeachment inquiry. That's where we would have the distinction here. Right. Uh, But overall, if you just want to impeach the president, you don't need an inquiry. The committees could report impeachment resolutions. Hell, you could just go to the floor with one this afternoon yep. and impeach them. Yep. So it doesn't matter for the actual impeachment, but it may tie the committee's hands behind their backs in legal disputes that are likely to arise down right. the road. So then the next question I would have for you is why not just go to the House floor and take a vote this afternoon? Well, they don't have the votes, right? So that's, <laughs> well, that's a good That's answer. a bit of a problem, right? It's like, I gotta, it's like I'd love to pass this, but I got 212 votes, and that's where it stands as of this moment. There are 212 Democrats on board with opening an impeachment inquiry. But there's no, there's no sense in which we don't we think Pelosi would lose this vote if she took it to the floor. They right. could whip up more votes. Uh, the bigger problem is that they're not going to find six go- Democrats. But they're not going to find 235 Democrats, right. and that's the problem. So you take this vote for the floor to open an inquiry. The Republicans are united against it, and the Democrats are divided, and all of a sudden there's political hay about that. So right. the reason she doesn't want to go to the floor is because this divides the Democrats, right. puts people in a tough spot. You have these members who are in swing districts who don't want to vote against the party, but also don't want to vote for this inquiry. And so you put them in a bind and the Republicans start laughing at you. Now, if the line was 15 members to the other side, such that you might get 10 Republicans voting with you, then I think she'd probably go take the vote, right? Because then it would show her support of her caucus and it would show how divided the Republicans are about impeachment. Right. So they're, 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 she's using some of her powers as speaker here to set the agenda and either take a vote or not. But what you're saying is that she's not taking the vote because it would divide them. But by not taking the vote, it could cost them down the road during the inquiry. It, it's it's possible. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. really does depend on how the courts are going to view her statement and mm-hmm. whether or not it is a, an acceptable substitute for the weight of the House of Representatives. And that carries something, right? It, it's passing a resolution and like a sense of Congress is basically what it is. But that's an important sense of Congress yeah. when the House lays down a marker like that and votes with a majority saying this is the sense of the House of Representatives that we are in an impeachment inquiry. Mm-hmm. That's more than just the speaker just saying something. The speaker is not a substitute for the House. And so I got on a very, very angry tangent before we started this podcast about how you can't substitute those two things because a vote of a Democratic vote on something is not the same as the speaker just decreeing something Mm -hmm. to occur. Right. And if you wanted to pull more money uh, towards these committees, you would also need a resolution authorizing more of the general committee funds to be directed at these specific committees for the purpose of impeachment. Um, Presumably they have plenty of money right now. They're still in the middle of the first session, but that could become an issue down the road too. Right. 
Now, there's also a large reserve fund that committees currently have, which is unusually large given past Congresses. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know, maybe you know the mechanics behind that. Would, would they be able to revert some of the reserve funding? In theory, for they could get the reserve. Yes, in theory, in the committee funding, stuff in the reserve fund could be. Uh, could be transferred to the committees just on application to House administration, I believe, without any actual floor action necessary. Right. But, I mean, that's a that's a secondary issue here, too. Right. Um, so where are we going from here? What happens now? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. I mean, we have a situation where you have 212 Democrats who are on board with an impeachment inquiry that leaves... On the record, on board. On right? the record. This doesn't mean we right. have on the board, 23 right. who are against yeah, it. We have 23 who are silent, right? Yes, right. Yeah. Well, there are some who are saying they are not for an impeachment inquiry. Instead, they are... Uh, waiting for information, yep. right? Um, and should this information come out, then they might be behind an impeachment mm-hmm. inquiry. Um, so I think there's uh, some leeway there, but it's obvious that the House doesn't quite have what it needs yet to either impeach or uh, open up an official inquiry through resolution if they wanted to do that. Um, what do they have and where are they going to go is the question. Right. And so, I mean, the first thing I would say about where this is going is it's going nowhere for the next two weeks because they're all going home. Um, we're going to see a little more fireworks uh, potentially later this week. The, I believe the DNI, the Director of National Intelligence, is coming in for a open hearing in the House and then a closed hearing with Senate Intel, um, and presumably that's going to have some impact. We're going to have the continued fallout from this transcript the White House released, um, which I don't think is going to do anything to stem the Democrats' enthusiasm for this. Um, not clear it's going to shift Republicans. But then, presuming that nothing radically changes, the House has announced they're going home for two weeks. Uh, they're not going to cancel the recess. And so we're going to have a two-week period where this really stews in uh, the public sphere without any actual congressional action. Uh, and so that'll be really important to how this plays out. Uh, there will be reporting and further leaks and things like that that could affect, obviously, what's going on in public. And obviously, members are going to go home and explain this to their constituents. We're going to see what happens in those reactions. Um, if Mitt Romney goes home to Utah and gets the heck beat out of him by his constituents, you may see him drift further towards the Democratic side. Uh, and things like that matter. And we'll see what kind of statements come out. Do the Republicans in the Senate solidify against this? Or do they continue to remain basically silent, which is where I think the plurality of them are at, just kind of waiting to see what happens. And so on the politics, we don't know where it goes. On the actual substance of what the House is doing, uh, Pelosi did say that she wants the six relevant committees to sort of spin up what they have is for impeachment and send it all to judiciary will be packaged. Uh, and this was a strategic policy choice too. Uh, they could have gone and created a select committee. Again, that would have required going to the floor and doing something by the House. Um, it's not possible for the leadership to create a select committee of the House out of thin air. Right. And so I think they wanted to avoid that for the same reason they wanted to avoid the vote on the inquiry. Uh, and so we're left with them, because of those politics, needing to use the existing tools, which uh, puts Nadler in the driver's seat, I think, ultimately. Uh, so far this week, it looks like Schiff at Intel is in the political driver's seat. He did a press conference today at noon. And because these are national security things, and because his committee is the one who's ultimately going to be receiving information from the DNI or the whistleblower, he seems to be sort of the front man now. Uh, but, you know, I would expect this process to go faster than things normally move in Congress, but slower than most people want either way. My guess is no one in the Democratic Party wants this thing going past Christmas one way or another, Um, whether this ends up in the president being removed from office or this ends up being sort of a partisan exercise 
in impeaching the House and removing the Senate and not removing a quit in the Senate wrapped up this year. Um, but we don't really know. There's a lot we don't know, and there's a lot of positions that could change, and we really don't know how the public's going to react to all this. Well, one of the things that I was really surprised and just frankly, like, stunned by was the fact that Nancy Pelosi went full-on impeachment inquiry in her statement yesterday. Um, I almost certainly believed that she was going to go with sort of an ultimatum. Like, yeah. you need to either deliver the information, the whistleblower complaint, the, the call stuff, everything that we want. You need to send up everybody that we want to hear from, or we'll begin impeachment inquiry. Um, because so many of her members were contingent on backing an impeachment inquiry only until only if the information was made available. Um, and she didn't do that. She went on just, we're in an impeachment inquiry, like straight yeah. on, and she hasn't voted on that. And my sense right now is that she has many more votes for information than she does for an actual inquiry. Yeah. Um, and until they have more information... To say um, nothing of an actual impeachment. Exactly, right? And until we have more information, she's not going to be able to get the numbers of Democrats that she would want, which is every single one of them, including Colin Peterson, who probably wants to be the 240th member to yeah. come out in favor of impeachment. He's the Democrat. He's going to want Republican cover for this by, yeah. by he's in a plus r plus 30 district in yeah, minnesota it's like just that. bananas right um but uh, she's going to want every single democrat that she can get on a vote like this and it's not clear to me that she'll be able to get that until more information comes out yeah um so clearly i don't know if they're going to use uh their, the votes that she has in order to get information or if they think that they can just get information through the media or if they can just get information from ongoing uh, 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 investigations and other committees. But for me, I think the next most obvious step is demanding that information, testimony, witnesses, um, and all of that stuff from the subpoenas that are going to be issued. Yeah. And um, it looks like, I mean, it looks like they're going to get some of the prime information they've been looking for. I, you know, I don't know what caused the administration to want to turn this stuff over, but pretty quickly yesterday, the administration says, we're going to get this transcript out of this call that's in so much contention, and we're going to get you the whistleblower complaint and allow the whistleblower to speak to the committees. And a lot of things could have caused this pressure. One is it could have just been the generalized politics that they were starting to get fearful of. The There was a unanimous consent request in the Senate that passed that was not blocked. That was stunning. Yeah, yeah we should tell that. information. I mean, Chuck Schumer came out and said, I'm going to ask unanimous consent to get the whistleblower contain, complaint demanded to, 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 right, the demanded to the Senate. And, and, and McConnell did not stop that. Right. Um, and so McConnell not stopping that could indicate that one – you know, a lot of senators actually wanted this, a majority, and that, you know, what was, you know, Schumer's next step could be to try and get it the long way through a motion to proceed or, or whatnot. Right. Um, and uh, or McConnell may himself be kind of cool on this whole thing and not ready to totally defend Trump, which also, you know, you kind of felt that way listening to his right. statements yesterday in the afternoon. And so, you know, I think, you know, one, yeah, I mean, the yeah. UC strategy was was obvious, right? Neither political leader wants many of their members going on record for this, yeah. right? If you are in the Senate, you don't want people, you don't want your vulnerable senators like Doug Jones, for example, right? Taking this vote and demanding that you, you release information or go in some sort of thing like that. On the Republican side, you also don't necessarily want to have many of your Republicans voting for or against this sort of thing. So going through UC was surprising, but going through UC and actually getting it was the was like, oh, wow, well, this is very interesting because you would expect this thing just to be blocked because that's kind of normal politics now. Yeah, I, my, guess, my guess is that it just wasn't tenable that there probably were 70 or 80 senators who want this information. Either way, uh, I think a lot of Republican senators think getting this information is the best thing that can happen because the actual information is probably less damning than what people can dream up when they don't have it. 
Uh, and that may be why we're seeing so much of this stuff right now. Um, I do think that the Democrats were probably in their strongest, most unified position yesterday afternoon before all of this stuff happened, because when they were in that position of give us the information or we'll, you know, we need to move impeachment, that's the easiest thing to sign on to. Right. Now we're going to substantively have the information and you have to decide what to do with it. Uh, and that becomes a much harder question because people are going to be able to parse this information into lots of different positions about it. Right. Uh, and so I think you're going to go back to seeing a lot of infighting uh, among the Democrats about how to, how to approach this. Uh, and I think you may start to see some infighting among Republicans, too, about how to respond to this stuff, too, because I don't think too many people are uh, particularly happy with how the president is dealing with this stuff, even if they don't think it's worthy of impeaching him. Right. Um, and one of the last things that I would, I would, I would touch upon is that the importance of Congress doing the discovery aspect of this, right? Yeah. Um, many people are probably, and what was surprising is Nancy Pelosi just coming out for impeachment, because most often Congress is not going to act, right? Uh, just on information that's been reported, right? They're not going to risk their jobs, their re-elections, and a bunch of other stuff that is non-sourced, uh, anonymous sources, or um, just kind of like out there, like there's this thing out there, unless it's been actually corroborated and validated. Um, it's not just like a, hey, like we're gonna check this box and move on. There is an important aspect to Congress actually unveiling information that's relevant to the ongoing political debate. And until that starts to occur, I don't know that we're gonna see much more change or a new strategy kind of reveal itself because it's unclear where they're headed without sort of getting witnesses, getting documents, and getting the testimony that they need in order to yeah. actually get their members behind a strategy. Yeah, on the political side, the, the people to watch are definitely the House Democrat moderates because if they're not going to solidify behind an impeachment strategy, you're not going to get an impeachment that, A, removes the President of the United States, forget that, but that is even politically palatable. I mean, I think the, the this is wide open such that there are scenarios in which this just fizzles and the House never takes an impeachment vote. Um, one of the dangers of what Pelosi is doing is that she may be locking herself in uh, to, to an impeachment vote. The second group to watch is, of course, uh, Republicans, uh, moderate Republicans in the House. we got a lot of retirements coming up in the House. There are Republicans besides Justin Amash who may very well end up voting for impeachment. Will Hurd being, you know, that type of person. Or other, Paul Mitchell in Michigan, other retired. Fitzpatrick in Pennsylvania. Yeah, all these sort of people who might Marchant, very Texas. well be be interested in voting for impeachment before sort of the last Democratic holdouts do. And then finally, the most important group in all this, as it, you know, fundamentally as it shapes the president's future, is the, Sen the Senate GOP. Uh, to the degree that they begin to cave um, and decide that they'd be better off with President Pence than President Trump, that's sort of the whole game right there. Right now, we don't see a whole lot of that. Mitt Romney is very concerned. Uh, based on how he's talking, I suspect that he ultimately would vote for a removal. Uh, but that's neither here nor there uh, until we, we find out how more Senate Republicans feel about that. And that, of course, you know, is part how they feel about it, you know, just themselves and also how their constituents feel about it. A lot of this is going to take place in public and we don't really know how the public's going to react to this. Right. And, you know, it goes back to what kind of pressure our senators going to be putting on this. Well, I mean, it matters a lot because if there are some senators who start to break away in the Senate, moderate Republicans in the House are going to see cover and say like, hey, well, obviously, yeah. like this is something I see and I believe and I think that um, I need to vote on this. And that could get out of control because Nancy Pelosi is not going to vote on this with 218 votes. No, and not. so... Unless she has full Democratic support and ideally several Republicans on board as well, uh, it, the likelihood of opening an impeachment inquiry or passing a resolution to that effect is probably not going to happen until like the die is cast and everything is pretty much there. And keep in mind, that's not unusual either. Um, in 74, everybody forgets that water, the Watergate Select Committee had been in place for a full year plus until uh, the House started its official impeachment.
impeachment resolution. And that, by that time, uh, Nixon's approval rating was at 28%. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's still a long way to go here, but uh, it is it is a kind of a risky play, I think, at least in my opinion, to go on recess for two weeks and just kind of like let this stew because you don't know what's going to happen when they're back in their districts and what they're going to hear. Um, and it could it could break or it could break the opposite way. I yeah. mean, you, you never know it, when, when members start hearing from constituents what their reaction is going to be um, without, again, sort of like the continuous pressure that you're feeling this yeah. week. I do think there's a mistake. Some people have been talking about this as if it's all strategic calculations for the 2020 election. You know, should you have an impeachment or should you not? Well, that's just a question of how we're figuring out our 2020 strategy. I don't think that's actually true. I think these sorts of things, particularly given the new information, uh, really can a- actually matter. Like, I think it's not unreasonable to think there's some chance that the President of the United States might actually be removed now. Um, and so there is, of course, the political calculations about the next election and how this affects that. But I actually think there's something here where you never know when these things start to cascade. Lee Drummond had a great piece. Uh, it was a while back, maybe a year ago, but he, he just recycled it this week uh, on social media about how these political cascades work. Uh, and the bottom line is that there's safety in numbers. And once a handful of people decide that it's just over for the president, uh, if they happen to be a handful of people who are GOP senators, these things can turn on a dime. Um, that's essentially what happened to Nixon, where his GOC, GOP support sort of existed until it didn't. Right. Uh, and so we really don't know which is going to go. I think you know the most likely outcome is you know perhaps a partisan impeachment and a partisan acquittal, uh, and that's fine too. Um, but uh, anyone who tells you they know what the outcome is going to be, don't believe them. Yep. I think that's it for us. All right. We will, uh, we'll be back actually very soon. In two days, we have another episode of uh, Congress Two Beers In, and we'll see you then. Thanks. Thanks.